Amen. Amen. I'd like to look at the final four verses of this psalm, but just by way of introduction, as with many psalms, there are several levels that we can understand. It's a psalm of David. It records his own personal experience, as the psalms of David do. And we can look at how he trusted in the Lord. That's the beginning of the psalm. But the application to us, the second level, is that this applies to all believers. David's experience should be our experience. And what he did, we should follow. So when he prays, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust, that's what we should do. We should speak to the Lord, pray out in the time of difficulty. But there is a third level within this psalm. This is a glorious messianic psalm. If you look at verse 10, you see this very clearly, but it seems to accelerate through the psalm. This must speak of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't possibly refer to David alone. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One, and the King James Version helpfully puts the H and the O in capitals. It speaks of Christ. Thou wilt not not suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Well, what's that about? When David died, his body did see corruption. His body deteriorated. But the Lord Jesus, he was... Suffering, he was in darkness in Gethsemane and, of course, on the cross and then in the grave. He had suffered, but his body wouldn't see corruption. It wouldn't decompose. That wasn't possible. He is the glorious Son of God and it's a reference to what would happen to the Lord Jesus Christ. His soul would not suffer in the grave. His soul wouldn't remain in the grave. It wouldn't suffer corruption. Well, this is a psalm for believers to have absolute confidence, a confidence in the present and a confidence in future joy, as we shall see. But for unbelievers, it's a contrast, isn't it? In the world that we live in today, There isn't much confidence economically. There's not much confidence in the world with all the wars going on. There is an uncertain future. And there is deep unhappiness in many people. You just have to walk the streets and you see a taste of this. You see many lives ruined by the fall. And yet David, on behalf of all believers, says... O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. Let me explain those words because they might confuse. There is no goodness except it's extended by the Lord to David. All the good things in life which are truly good come from God. And if they don't come from God, then... They're not intrinsically good. My goodness comes from the Lord extending it to me, we might say. So there's a contrast here between the life of believers 
and the life of unbelievers. There is a huge difference. If you know the Lord, you have a certain future. You have a confidence in the presence, not in yourself, but in what the Lord has done. And we can put our trust in the Lord for everything, in the present and in the future. Well, what does this stem from? It stems from having daily communion with the Lord. David's close and intimate relationship with his God. Verse 7, he says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. He's got the best counsellor, the one that helps him and speaks to him throughout the day and even in the night. His reins, which is an old-fashioned word, which speaks about the inner man, literally the kidney, that inner part of us. The Lord instructs him in the middle of the night. He has a guide and a counsellor. And David blesses the Lord that in the darkest times of life, in his inner man, he's got that hidden source of wisdom. The Lord is providing good things to David. Well, look down to verse 10, 11. I just want to refer you to the New Testament. If you look at Acts chapter 13, this is a much quoted psalm in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, and you'll see a reference here to why we know this is a messianic psalm. It's quite clear, but the New Testament makes it even clearer. Acts 13 and verse 35. And we see here that Paul is quoting it. Acts 13, 35. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on a sleep. He died and was laid unto his fathers and <coughs> saw corruption. Ah, but he, but he, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 37, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, he's pleading with them, that this is the Messiah, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, the one that knew no corruption. It's always good to let the scripture be its own interpreter. And so we have a commentary on Psalm 16, verse 10, from Paul's mouth. So this isn't David directly, as though the plane takes off and the prophecy speaks of even greater things than David and greater than us. Well, I want to show you three points in verses 8, 9, and 11. We put verse 10 to one side. It's to do with Christ. But there's three points for us tonight to remember. First of all, verse 8. The mindset of a believer. And this is really the mindset of Christ, which he had and we should also have. Remember, it works on several levels. This is what David says. I have set the Lord always before me, his mindset should be our mindset because it was Christ's mindset. What did he think in Gethsemane? 
He didn't want to go ahead. His human frame said he wanted to run. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He set the will of the Father always before his mind. And that enabled him to cope with the difficulties, the sorrows, the anguish, the disappointments. And what David did, we should do because that's what Christ did. It's a messianic psalm. This is the eye of faith. It sets. The word set literally means to make equal, to make my mind and the will of God absolutely on the same level. Well, that's a challenge, isn't it? Not to get down, not to get too up, but to set it on the level. I have set in agreement on a level the Lord always before me. His will is my will. And you know, when we can say that as a believer, then our mind is in the right frame of mind and we will have great joy because, you know, if we know the Lord's will in our life, what to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go, then we're in the right place at the right time. I've set the Lord always before me, not just when we feel like it, not on the good days, but not the bad, always, says the psalmist. Because he is at my right hand, that place of power, the place of strength, he's equipping me, strengthening me, Providing me with help, it said it in the previous verse, even at night, I shall not be moved. I'll keep my eye on the same level as him and I won't be moved. Oh, that's an encouragement. The mindset of a believer. Notice it's the mind that comes first. So often we go the wrong way round. We go feelings first and that's a very dangerous thing. Our feelings are unreliable. But look, the feelings follow. Here's the second point. The mindset of Christ should be our mindset. Secondly, the heart. Therefore, once my mind has been set on the right level in agreement with the will of God and it's clearly positioned with the eye of faith, therefore, ah, now I can turn to feelings to my heart. My heart is glad. There's nothing better for a believer to know that you're doing the will of God. There's nothing worse than to know you've stepped out of his will, although that's a difficult thing theologically, because the Lord sometimes permits and allows us to go astray to teach us and to show us our need of him. But my heart is glad because I have set my mind and my glory, my splendor, my riches is what it literally means, rejoices, it's his spirit inside him. My heart is glad within me, my glory, it's another word for that, rejoices. And my flesh, my whole being shall rest in hope. This is a believer that has a settled disposition. How do you feel tonight? Well, don't ask that question. First of all, ask the question, have I set 
My eye of faith upon the Lord, is he always before me? Ah, then it will follow. Therefore, my heart is glad, my heart and my glory rejoices, and my flesh, my whole being, even my feelings shall rest in hope. That's where we want to be as believers. We are of all people most glad. We have the greatest, certainest hope of all people in the world. My flesh shall rest in hope. But then thirdly, look here in verse 11, this lovely expression. Our mind is set, our feelings have joy and gladness because our mind is set upon God and his will and his truth and his word. And then as a result, thou wilt show me the path of life. It doesn't say the path to life. That would be true of the way of salvation. But this is a believer speaking. It's David. And in life, he wants to know how he should walk, how he should order his life. What decisions should I take? Where should I go? What should I do? What about the end of life? What about the future? Oh, I don't need to worry. Thou wilt show me the path of life. It might not be easy. It might be a path of sorrow, but that will be for my good. Thou wilt show me the path of life. This is assurance for the believer. The believer has confidence, provided the mind is set, and then the heart is glad, and then the believer knows that the Lord will be with him, with her. How? Middle of the verse, verse 11, because this person is in God's presence. That's where we want to be. Are you in the presence of God tonight? You're not. If you've stepped out of his will, if your mind isn't on his word, if you're not focusing upon all that he's done for you, if your heart isn't glad at those things, you won't be in his presence and then you won't have fullness of joy. You'll have half-empty joy, joy that's not full because you're harbouring some problem from the past or you're looking in two directions. And we can't do that as a believer. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. No, we have our eye fixed, set upon him. It goes back to that phrase again, at thy right hand. Not my hand, God's hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Oh, this is a believer that's thinking to the future. The past is behind. There's many things in the past I would have changed. Many failings, shortcomings, mistakes that I made. But no, at thy right hand are pleasures. I can look forward with joy, with gladness. I can trust the promises of God because I know the Lord will guide and the Lord will lead me and the Lord will show me the right way, the path of life, not death. The unbeliever only knows the path of death. Their best schemes will come to nothing and their lives will come to nothing and then there will be sorrow. But for the believer, 
our joy, our pleasures. They're not like the world's pleasures, like a firework that goes off, it's gone. No, our pleasures are more and more and more. They're continual. I want to refer to a hymn. You haven't got Gadsby's with you tonight, but there's a lovely hymn in Gadsby's. Some of you will know it. It's hymn number 237. Let me read you the first verse. Some of you will know it well. It's a Joseph Hart hymn, and it goes like this. Let us ask the important question, brethren, Be not too secure, don't be too sure not to ask questions. What it is to be a Christian, how we may our hearts assure. Vain is all our best devotion, if on false foundations built like feelings. True religion's more than notion, something must be known and felt. Well, that's the title given to a book called More Than Notion. It's an interesting book. When Pastor Vernon Hyam, I don't think I've mentioned this before, when Pastor Vernon Hyam went to the Heath Church in Cardiff all those years ago in the 60s and 70s, every time somebody became a member of the Heath, they were given a copy of this book. And he would explain to them that the Christian life is not just a thought. It's not a whim, it's not a fancy, it's not a feeling. It must be known first, and then it can be felt. And you know, much Christianity today is all about feelings. It's all about how I feel today. And what the psalmist is saying here. In these three points, verse 8, I have fixed, I have set my heart on the level. I've got my eye of faith always on the Lord. Well, what does that mean? You don't really know about how to set your mind upon the Lord unless you know about him. Of course, about our Saviour. We must have a grasp, a greater grasp of theology. We must be people that read. You say, well, I'm not a reading person. Well, you've got to read something. Find something to read so that you can set the Lord. You must be preoccupied with who the Lord is, what he loves, what he's said, what he wills for your life. That sets us. It gives us a grounding. And then the feelings will follow, driven by the word of God, and they're founded firmly and certainly. It's more than just a notion, more than just a whim and a fancy and a feeling. There is a danger in Christianity that people go to one extreme or the other. If we're all about doctrine and have no heart, that leads to bigotry. It leads to heavy-handedness. It leads to a lack of compassion. But if we go to the other extreme, we're up and down. On the ocean billows, up and down, we feel every bump in the road. No, we need both. 
We need our mind, our thoughts set, our eyes, the eye of faith set on him. And then our heart will be glad. And then he will show us this path of life, a straight path, a smooth path, an upward path, a path which is full of joy, a path which has pleasures evermore. The dear believers, mostly elderly, because they've proven the path. Even in the most difficult times, you go to visit an elderly person and they've got joy. Joy on the most difficult day when the arthritis is at its angry worst. And they've got joy because they've got their mind set. And they've got a hold upon truth. And they know the Lord doesn't change and his word doesn't change. And therefore they have joy, they have gladness, they have rejoicing, they have pleasures evermore. This is the way the psalmist thinks. And it's the way Christ thought. Oh no, he didn't have sin. But he had his eyes set on the will of the Father. And he had joy, even at the thought of the cross. For all the anguish and suffering, he still had joy at the thought of the cross, of all those that he would save. And he knew that he wouldn't suffer corruption, no decay. And that that pathway for him, because this speaks of Christ as well, was also full of joy because he was doing the will of the Father and he would secure pleasures forevermore for his people. Well, let's 